at the same time, though, what, what we have to reckon with is the fact that the that God himself is not physical. So what do we do with this problem? How do we deal with this problem? We have to say that we don't really understand how it's possible for God to operate in a physical plane when God is completely spiritual. However, he's able to do this. The same way we don't understand that God created the world. How did God create something from nothing? Do we have any understanding of that? We have no understanding of that. It's not possible according to our understanding of life and physics, right? However, God did it. So the same way God is able to create something from nothing and to form something from the matter that existed and change it completely, could change its um, status completely and transform it, right? The same way he's able to do that, he has no lack of ability to speak in the physical plane and to write in the physical plane, even if, even if it doesn't seem to make sense if we're assuming that he is a completely spiritual being. With his utterance alone, he's able to create the tablets and engrave the Ten Commandments upon them, just as he created the heavens. God willed, and according to that will, the tablets assumed their proper shape and size. The commandments were engraved in the tablets using the same divine power that was used to split the Red Sea, to make walls of water stand to the right and to the left, and to create pathways in the middle through which the people could walk without bother or delay. In other words, the same way we're saying that, and he's going to be using the Red Sea as his starting point now to describe when God operates with the world in a very direct fashion, direct manner. And this is really based on the Talmud. The Talmud always tells us, whenever the Talmud is trying to tell us like the paradigm example of God impacting this world in a direct fashion, the example that the Talmud always gives as its first example is always going to be the splitting of the sea. And then the Gemara will say, it's just as difficult for God to give us a living as it is for him to split the sea. It's just as difficult for God to make shaduchim, right, to set people up together with their proper spouse, as it is for him to split the sea. Because splitting the sea is like our paradigm of an act that was visible to all in a complete negation of the rules of physics. The Talmud is telling us is that for us, when we see the splitting of the sea, wow, that's a negation of the rules of physics. Now we see the hand of God in this world. The reality is that the hand of God is in this world no less when it is operating behind the scenes in natural forms or when it is operating in a negation of the laws of physics. That being said, we do understand that God is able to completely change the reality of this world just by speaking. And the same way that that's true for splitting of the sea, it's true for everything else as well. Furthermore, we believe that all that happened at the Red Sea, the splitting of the water, it's suspension in midair, right? So the water, according to the Midrash, the water is actually sitting on top and it's just sitting there and it's not moving, right? In other words, there's a hollow area and they're walking through this hollow area, the water's sitting on top. And as soon as the Egyptians fill up that space, boom, the water comes crashing down. The pathways created for the Jews in the middle on dry land, all these miracles are attributable directly to God. God required no tools or intermediaries to accomplish all this. Unlike human beings who do require tools and intermediaries. Rather, the water stood in obedience to God's command alone and was sculpted into pathways by God's desire alone. Similarly, God is able to create sound waves that form words by the time they reach the prophet's ear. And these words convey what God wants to communicate to the prophet or the people. So, so clearly, the, the Kuzari actually is of the belief that there was a physical ear that was being moved by God's conveyance of these words, right? In other words, most of the commentators would assume that it is not actually a physical manifestation of a voice that occurs in this world. It is rather the vision that we all received at that moment 
that was a vision as clear as if we actually heard a voice speaking. The Guzari is saying not like that. The reason why everyone else doesn't want to say that it's an actual physical voice is because it's not possible for a spiritual being to have a physical voice. The Guzari is saying, I hear your question, right? I see your hand and I raise it. I say, okay, I don't know how it's possible, but it is. That's just how it is. We have to accept that, okay? So he's not actually, if you see, he's not really coming to answer the question. The question was, seemingly you believe in a physical God. The answer was, God forbid, we don't believe in a physical God. Well, then how could God have spoken? Well, then how could God have written the tablets? So Kazari says, we don't ask questions on how God does the things that he does. He's clearly not working in the same plane that we are. And therefore, the whole question is based on a mistaken hypothesis that God has to follow the same rules, right? I'll give you another example of this. Because Jonathan sent out that beautiful essay from, from Rabbi Sachs. Highly recommend reading it. It's a long one, though. So sit down when you have time and read it. Um, the, the idea of, of biblical criticism, right? The documentary hypothesis. Well, if you glance at the Torah, then you'll see right away that it's written in different styles. And Leviticus is written in a different style than the first book and so on and so forth. The, the entire proposition is absurd because it's working with the, once again, we're assuming that there was one writer. Well, why are we assuming that there had to be one writer? Well, a human would never write in the five different voices. So clearly this must be five different writers or six different, writers, however many writers can make up that it is. The, the, the whole idea is absurd because you're limiting God. God is not limited. God could write in as many different voices as he wants to write. So what the Gazari is saying is indeed God's able to affect us on a physical plane. Where we're able to actually hear his voice on a physical plane. Does that mean that God is physical? God forbid, no way. How is that possible? We don't have to understand that, right? In other words, the, the idea of saying, I will be able to understand that, and it has to be able to follow certain intuitive laws of logic that I, I apply to the rest of my observations of this world, that itself is foolishness. And that's like one, of the, yet one more mystery. We don't know how it works, but it's not physical, that we know. Because I already said, this suffices to explain your belief in a non-physical God who works within the physical universe. The rabbi said, I am not claiming that this is exactly the way God interacts with the physical. Perhaps there's something deeper involved that is beyond our grasp. But in any event, we may conclude that all who are present at these wondrous happenings believe that what they were witnessing came directly from God without any intermediary. He says, listen, you know what? If you want to nitpick, did it have to be that there was an actual physical sensation? Did it have to be that our eardrums were, you know, vibrating? You know, how, how exactly we hear, we hear sound waves? Not necessarily. Maybe, yeah, maybe no. I don't have a problem either way. That's not the real point, right? You're getting too involved in, in the details and losing the, the main message. The message is all those who were present believed that what they were witnessing came directly from God without any intermediary. That's all you need to know. These events display, display the same faculties that God created when he created the universe, creation and formation. Consequently, those present believed in the Torah that was given with these miracles. Moreover, by seeing God as creator through his creation of things like the tablets of the law and the manna, they also confirmed that God created the universe anew. It is therefore through these miracles that all the arguments of the philosophers and of all others who believe in the eternal universe are discredited. In other words, when they witness this God operating in ways that are completely, completely transcendental of all the laws of the universe, and they are, are completely and totally in belief, all of the people at that moment, that one of them has any doubts, any goat, this is clearly God speaking, this is clearly the creator of the world. That itself is enough of a indication that there is a God who also created the world. 
And when they see God overturning the laws of nature on a consistent and regular basis for 40 years in the desert in front of all, then they have no doubts. All their questions are answered. Clearly, there is a God. Clearly, there is a God who created the world and for a reason. Okay, so tomorrow night, we're going to continue with his, his the, the famous rebuttal that the Kazarian king is going to say, which is, oh, yeah, if they were so confident and there were so much believers at that moment, how did they possibly fall very, very shortly afterwards with the golden calf? Okay, take care, guys. Be well. Good night. See you tomorrow. Mr. Shem.